Life's too short. Life's too damn short. So, eat everything. Try anything. Exercise. Experience all that life has to offer. Here's exercise physiologist, medical journalist, and healthy talk host, Melanie Cole, MS. The anterior cruciate ligament is one of four ligaments that help stabilize the knee, and it's the most commonly injured knee ligament. There are nearly 200,000 ACL repair procedures each year in the United States, and a disproportionate number of them are women, who are seven or eight times more likely to tear their ACL than men. And we're finding out why that is today, and I know as a mother whose daughter was playing soccer... It was definitely something that I was concerned about. My guest today, Dr. Eric Shehab. He's a board-certified orthopedic surgeon with Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. Welcome to the show, Dr. Shehab. So ACLs, what does it do and why is it so easily injured? Me, um, The ACL is one of the major stabilizing ligaments in the knee, and it prevents the knee from derotating in unnatural ways, essentially. So when people run and cut specifically, when they change direction, when they accelerate or even more importantly decelerate, um, their knee gets under torsional stress, meaning twisting type stress, and the ACL resists that. Okay, so then it can cause an injury. Is this one of those injuries people always talk about the pop, you know, and they call this one one of the nastiest injuries in sports. Do you hear it? So a lot of patients either hear the pop or they perceive a pop, but that's a very uh, characteristic diagnostic um, finding when patients have an ACL injury. They will frequently say, Doc, I was running, I planted my foot and I felt the pop and my knee gave way. So if they feel that something big, their knee gives way, you know, is this an emergent situation? Get to the emergency room or is it a, you know, wrap it up a little bit, get it up, get off it? ice, whatever you want to do, but is it emergent? So generally speaking, uh, an isolated ACL injury is not an emergency. And what typically happens is the knee hurts a bit, it hurts a lot. Uh, some patients will have a lot of difficulty putting weight on it and the knee swells up. So it's a very dramatic presentation. So it's that drama and, and presentation that brings people to the emergency room because it's such an uncharacteristic, unfamiliar thing that's happening. But typically speaking, what would happen in an ER is they would um, give patients a set of crutches, maybe a neomobilizer and a prescription for some sort of anti-inflammatory, which is all stuff that can wait until the following day. And so generally speaking, an isolated ACL injury is not an emergency. And in fact, interestingly, when, when patients have an ACL injury, within a few weeks, their knee tends to normalize. They feel surprisingly normal in the majority of cases um, after just a few weeks of recovery from the injury itself. So before we talk about whether this injury is going to require surgery, why is it? Do we know? Is it, is it relaxing in the pelvis? Is it, is it the way that our hips are designed? Why is this ACL injury so much more disproportionately common in women? And I mean, I can see why soccer players or field hockey players or any of those, but why? Do we know why? So we have lots and lots of thoughts, uh, hormonal cycles, angles through the knee that are different in women and men due to pelvic conformity. Um, uh, you touched on the, um, the uh, relaxin and other uh, hormones that are specific to women and not to men. Um, the bottom line is we really don't have a firm grasp as to why it's more common in women than in men. We do have 
strategies for prevention, which I'm sure we'll touch on, um, which are very helpful in both women and men. So, um, uh, and we're trying to incorporate that in the youth sports level in their warm-ups. Um, so, yes, it's far more common in women. You touched on many of the factors, some of the biomechanical factors, the hormonal factors that can lead to there being a higher rate of injury in women than men. But the fact of the matter is we haven't put our finger exactly on what it is, and chances are it's simply multifactorial. There's so many different factors that contribute that addressing one of those factors probably isn't going to be the answer. Okay, so let's talk about the prognosis for an ACL tear. You said sometimes after a couple of weeks, you know, it's, you've been off it a bit, you've stopped your sport, you've wrapped it, you've iced it, you've, you know, maybe done some extensions, you've moved it around a little, you know, you've done all the things, anti-inflammatories that your doctor told you to do. Then is it something that can heal itself and get better with time? Or is it something that usually requires some surgical intervention? So, um... That's a great question. The, the ACL, when it tears, um, will not heal itself. So typically when it's torn, it's gone, and the knee becomes more prone to instability episodes. So down the line, when, when, if an athlete tears their ACL, and let's say they're completely unaware that they've done it, they have a very high likelihood of continuing to, continuing to have knee instability if they continue to play sports where they're running, jumping, and cutting. So um, when patients initially tear their ACL, what we like to do is let the knee normalize. It turns out that if you just ice the knee, rest the knee, do many of the things that you touched on, there's the RICE mnemonic of rest, ice, compress, elevate, the R-I-C-E. Um, that, that does a pretty good job of restoring the knee to feeling near normal again. And usually when we diagnose a, a patient with an ACL injury, we'll get them involved with physical therapy nearly right away, again, to help normalize the knee to help with the swelling, to help with the soreness, to get the motion back, to get the strength back, to get the ability to walk normally back. And then the decision about what to do for that injury um, really depends on what type of activities the patient is um, uh, striving to do. And anybody who's playing soccer wants to go back out and play soccer again. So nearly every athlete who tears their ACL is offered ACL reconstructive surgery because in the absence of the surgery, they have a very, 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 very high likelihood, about 90% of having repeated instability to the knee. And those repeated instability episodes can start taking their toll on the knee over the long term. Okay, so it does depend on, and this is something you discuss with the patient, it depends on what the final goal is and the stability of the knees. What do you think about bracing? So bracing is effective for patients who opt out of ACL surgery, but it's generally effective for low-level recreational activities. And what I mean by that, there, there are high-level high um, activities such as soccer or basketball or football where you're stopping and starting and cutting and changing direction routinely and landing from jumps. And all of those put strain on the knee that the ACL resists. When that ACL is torn, those activities are very, very likely to lead to recurrent instability. And that instability can start grinding up the knee. Now, let's say an athlete is a um, recreational tennis player in their 40s or 50s and goes out and plays maybe once a week and plays doubles tennis. It would not be unreasonable to take uh, what we call a delayed reconstructive approach where essentially we brace the knee, we rehabilitate the knee, and we see if the, if the patient has any instability in the knee. And if they don't have instability, then they really don't need me or any other surgeon, 
And if they do have instability, then we shut them down right away, and then we um, proceed with a reconstructive procedure. So the decision for um, address the decision for treatment of an ACL really depends on activity goals and um, uh, what the patients are desiring to do. If, we, if I have a 55-year-old soccer player who wants to keep playing at a high level, they'll get an ACL reconstruction. If I have a 35-year-old triathlete who swims, runs, bikes, and doesn't do any of the running, jumping, cutting, that may be a patient we would consider that delayed reconstructive approach. Now, on to prevention. Yes. So parents, coaches, the athlete themselves, you know, they're all training for whatever it is that they're doing. And even if you're not an athlete, but if you're someone who plays tennis or if you're somebody who is a weekend warrior, you know, and so you're at risk for this type of injury, especially women, as we've said, what kind of prevention? What can they do as far as training, stretching, certain types of exercises that could help them strengthen up the ACL and possibly reduce their risk of injury? So um, the, the real buzzword on prevention for ACL injuries is what's called neuromuscular training. And neuromuscular training is a set of exercises where we try and retrain patients how to land and jump and cut. There, there seems to be a pretty characteristic position of the leg that can lead to an ACL injury where people are landing on their heel with their knee extended and their hip flexed out in front of them. And that can lead to a torsional moment across the knee. And so we're trying to help um, athletes develop habits where they land on their toes with their knees flexed and their hip underneath them so that they're much less likely to put the torsional stress on their knee that can lead to an ACL injury. So neuromuscular training is by far and away the most effective means we have of prevention. And um, we offer um, neuromuscular training through our offices at Illinois Bone & Joint. Um, other places around the area have something similar. And it's been very well studied, and it, the, the results are very dramatic. It turns out that if every athlete were doing neuromuscular training, we would probably reduce the risk of ACL injuries in women by 50%, which is an enormous wow. number. It's a big, big number. And, that's and a huge um, number. it actually is slightly more effective in boys than girls, as it turns out, but we would prevent a larger number of injuries in women than men simply because the incidence, as you've mentioned, is so much higher in women. So it's effective for both boys and girls. It's, it's an incredibly, um, uh, uh, again, we have no better prevention than neuromuscular training. The other factors that lead into this, and I'm glad you brought this up, is training and um, fatigue. And if we look through the literature currently and read about training, the emphasis isn't so much on how hard you train, but the new emphasis is really on how well you recover. And so many athletes, including high-endurance Ironman triathlete athletes, are limiting their training because if they do hours and hours of training, they require days and days of recovery. And so um, they're trying to limit their training in such a way that it's efficient, that it's effective, and that allows them to recover in a reasonable time frame. What my main concern is that um, kids these days are, are doing one or two sports, and if they're doing two sports, they're nearly practicing those two sports year-round, and in so doing, they're really giving their body no chance for recovery. And I think the incidence of these injuries is going up simply because we aren't as focused on recovery. So um, that's another factor is just fatigue. And, well, and uh, Dr. Chahab, we could yes. even do a whole show on cross-training sure <laughs> and sports-specific, because that is a problem. I mean, it's a problem with our youth athletes, especially 
and even the younger ones, parents pushing their kids or kids really wanting to concentrate on one. And as you say, it's all about recovery and the cross training and trying to get the kids to, you know, do other things so that one particular joint is not going to be just what they're, you know, I'm trying to, I work with my son yep. about this because he's a gymnast. And we it's all we he see wants it all the do. time. I mean, repetitive stress injuries and that literature is, uh, the, the, the studies that we've been doing are very, very clear that um, these type of repetitive single sport athletic endeavors are leading to a lot more injuries. And, and you're right, we could do an abs- a whole segment or several segments on this one topic. But what I want to really drive home in terms of ACL prevention is that there are training programs that can help reduce it. We are trying to incorporate the neuromuscular training that we do with our athletes um, into the warm-ups with coaches so that 15, 20 minutes is spent during the warm-ups of essentially what is a neuromuscular training program. And we hope that that will have some impact on the incidence of ACL injuries, uh, particularly within the high school and college-level sports in our area. And then the second thing I just want to emphasize, as I mentioned earlier, is we really need to stress recovery for our athletes. And that includes getting adequate sleep. It includes um, adequate time between heavy workouts and perhaps even limiting the workouts so that they are more efficient. So uh, I, I am absolutely convinced that with different types of training, we can get the same desired performance result, but spending less time being more efficient and allowing our bodies more a better chance for a better recovery. Absolutely. So well said. Dr. Shahab, where can people find out more information about you? So I work at Illinois Bone & Joint. I'm in our Glenview and Wilmette division. Um, and I can be found on the web at ibji.com. And um, I also work out of North Shore University Health System. I'm one of their um, senior attending uh, surgeons on staff. So um, I'm sure people can find me that way and they can call my office. So it's ibji.com, Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. And it's just really, it's a great center. And I have to say, I go there. My husband goes there. My son goes there. So it is absolutely a great center. Lots of good docs. Thanks so much for listening. You know, if you want to get involved in these shows, you can always go onto iTunes and rate and review. And that way, like-minded people can get involved because that's what we're doing here. We have experts from the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American College of Sports Medicine, all these amazing experts and physicians and things in their field. So get involved, listeners. This is Melanie Cole for Radio MD. Stay well.